0: Letty Martin Show a podcast brought to you by our good friend Dan Hightower, Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976 and the Ocala Quarterback Club. My pleasure to welcome back to the program Chris Doring, All-American record holding receiver for the Gators, NFL receiver, and of course in the business of helping you finance your home, just in case you're interested. We'll be joined now by Chris. And uh, Chris, you got some money up there we can-
1: Ah man, we're we're, uh, we're trying to give it away here. It's a uh, obviously getting close to the. This- the selling season, so uh, excited about uh, what the the home uh, the the home buying and selling industry has for us, and uh, obviously looking forward on the other side of things to uh, spring football right around the corner too, man. Absolutely. So lots uh, lots to talk about.
0: A lot to talk about, and our good friends and sponsors that uh, people like uh, uh, the Williams appraisal team, uh, Danny Williams, who is in the business of helping people to appraise and find money and whatever all the process. And when the housing industry is going well, it's going well for everybody. Having gotten that out of the way, I had a couple of stories that made me think about you. uh, And uh, I'm really, I'm kind of pumped about this, this whole thing with Dan Mullen. We've discussed that before, his recruiting class. But one of the things I think, and this is how you can speak to these little nuances of football, is I'll be honest with you, I don't think Florida's wide receivers have been that well coached in a while. As a matter of fact, Uh, Billy Gonzalez had a press conference this week talking about his expectations. He has really got some expectations. And uh, I go back to the last time I can remember a well-coached group was when Billy Gonzalez coached them. So I was interested in you as a uh, world all-American uh, receiver, and of course a walk-on. Everybody knows Chris Daring's story. Uh, you had to have a lot of coaching, a lot of development. What do you know about Billy Gonzalez, and what do you think about his his, his part in the role uh, he'll play in Dan Mullen's new offense?
1: Well, let's go back to the statement that you made. I, I would agree that this has been a uh, a long-time underachieving group uh, of offensive players at the receiver position, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the coaching has not been there. I think there's been an inconsistency um... dating back to uh, the first year, and I, I I think it all stems from the fact that Aubrey Hill was not able to be retained after that first year he came on with Will Muschamp. I mean, I, I think, um, you, you know, I know Aubrey very well, a former teammate of mine, a guy that was coached the same way that I was by Dwayne Dixon and Steve Furrier. Um I think he would have done a great deal in developing players. You know, Florida's had talent at that position, but I, I think it really comes down to a lack of development. And uh, there's a couple things that go into coaching at the college level. One is being able to identify talent, recruit them, and bring them in. And two is, is to be able to, to – coach them up and to be able to put them in position to be successful. And I think that that's what this this um, team has been lacking for a long time since Aubrey left. And uh, there's been inconsistencies year after year with different coaches coming in for one-year stints. Um, I think they've – last year you look at – I really didn't like a lot of the – scheme in terms of what they were asking the receivers to do, the routes, uh, the combination, the way they were teaching them, uh, what was being called against man coverage. There just wasn't a whole lot that was putting those guys into being successful. So I know that Dan Mullen knows the the art of, of getting guys open, and I also know that Billy Gonzalez not only knows how to recruit him, he's one of the top recruiters on that staff, but once they're on campus he's shown in the past that he has the ability to develop guys and sometimes um you know, I hate to say it, but the receiver position is known for having some um you know, some, some guys that are sometimes uh difficult to deal with, right? And and yeah.
0: uh you trouble. remember the
1: stories? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they uh those guys are uh sometimes the, the uh the, the most difficult on the field. But um Well I'm just gonna be honest with all- you,
0: Chris. I'm gonna say it about your guys. They're mostly flaky, okay? You well, uh, yeah, prima,
1: prima donnas is probably the word that I was going to go <laughs> that, for, but uh, flaky, <laughs> we can use that too. I, I can tell you as a as a receiver myself, there was never a play that I wasn't open. And uh, yeah. you come back to the huddle and you let the quarterback know, man, I'm, I'm open seven every time. 11, and, seven up
0: and all, open 24-7, right? They, that's know. right.
1: That's right. But uh, yeah. at the end of the day, Billy has been able to deal with some of those prima donna types over the years. He's been able to uh, develop, even thinking at um, – at uh, mississippi state you look at what he did with uh, remember duranya wilson he was a guy that played basketball it Was uh, i think he was uh... mr basketball in the state of alabama hadn't had a lot of coaching uh... was able to help turn him into a productive player at uh... At, um, at Mississippi State, you look at guys like uh, Gray and, and Fred Brown and and just number of, of player after player that was able to be productive in that offense at Mississippi State. So I'm excited about what he can do. I think a lot of him, I actually coached his son uh, in flag football with my son back in the day, and so I got to know him uh, fairly well. And, and so I think it's a great addition back to not only the uh, the staff but to the culture of the program that, that ties Florida football to uh, a period where um, – you know, it was one of the best in the history of the program.
0: Let's go back to something you said. So I get the idea of talking to you. There's more to playing that position than just getting out of wide out and just running straight ahead and not, and yeah. not catch the ball, right? A little bit yeah. more complicated than that. So when you said something about you were unhappy with way things, route combinations were being called, give me a few. I know it's, it's not TV, Where you know this is not the SEC uh, network where you usually are on weekends in football season. This is just the Buddy Martin show and the Gator Nation Kingdom, by the way. They love them some Chris (laughs) Doring. Tell me what exactly you're talking about when you say not the right route combinations. Well, let,
1: let's go back, first of all, to what you said in terms of the receiver position and the, the coach that's usually tied to that. A lot of different staffs, I think, over the years, they, they've thought of, hey, we'll just throw anybody into that spot. It's not always, you know, you look at offensive line coaches are probably paid a, a lot more, uh, defensive line coaches, and a lot of cases the receiver coach is considered to be the low man on the totem pole uh, but I believe that there is a lot to playing the position there's a lot of intricacies that that guys have to be able to learn um, both with reading coverages and and the way they run routes from them you know the way that 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 your 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 forward shoulder lean to the way that you're chopping your feet chopping your arms getting out of breaks the way you create separation with your body there's a lot to it and I'm glad that Uh, Florida has a guy that that, that is experienced in coaching that position and also played that position himself. So I I think you see um, the importance that that Dan Mullen places on the receiver position in his offense, and he's put a guy that he really trusts, that has experience, that um, knows what he's doing in terms of coaching those guys up. Now to your question about uh, what Florida's done in the recent past, you know, you look at the number of teams that were able to lock down Florida uh, with man coverage. You know, they were playing a lot of cover one, which means just a safety in the middle, man-to-man coverage on the outside that allows them to get an extra safety down in the box. Football's not that complicated, right? Football is basically going where they're not. You know, if a team's going to put two safeties back, then you should be able to run the football. You have a numbers advantage. If they're going to bring an extra safety down, you've got to be able to win on the outside. Florida was not able to win on the outside because I don't think they were very explosive on the outside. I don't think they were very well coached in terms of route running, but I don't think they put them in positions to be successful, one of the most popular routes that you run against man coverage are the crossers. I mean, you look at what New England does. New England tears people up with those crossing routes. Um, you know, Florida, under Coach Fur, we, we, we run a lot of crossers. You're able to get confusion in the middle of the defense. You're able to get picks. Uh, we don't we don't like to say picks on offense. We say rubs. Rubs sounds yeah. a little bit better, but right. essentially picks to get guys open, and I didn't see a lot of that being uh, executed over the last couple of years uh, at Florida. Well,
0: you- <clears> the <throat> The guy who played for the Steelers, like you did, <clears throat> told me the greatest route in football is a crossing route. That would mm-hmm. be Terry Bradshaw, who knows a thing or two about the passing yep. game. So yeah, and that you, that slot, you know, like you say, New England just eats them alive with that little drag route, you know. Yep. Uh, and and uh, you wonder, you know, why it isn't run more. I also wonder sometimes why the tight ends not more involved, but that's another story. It depends mm-hmm. on your formation, your combination, what they're playing against you. When you're paying man up on the corners, you're saying I don't. You. I don't respect your. I don't respect your speed, your route running, and your your passer. Right.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, that that you should take that personally. If a defense thinks that they're going to lock you down with one guy and not have to play a safety over the top that's disrespect and so you take that personally I mean that that's really what football comes down to is each of those 11 players on one side of the ball deciding that they're going to win their individual battle so as a receiver if I go outside and I decide they decide they're going to play me in bump coverage with one guy and nobody over the top that I should be able to win there's too many options whether I'm going to run fade whether I'm going to run slant whether I'm going to run sort of, some sort of crosser you got to be able to create separation and um, you know Florida just had not been able to do that in the last few years
0: all right so let's go with this this is good stuff by the way i'm loving this myself so let's let's start with you got to have the talent right that's what mm-hmm. Florida has not had a lot of is talent, and it's amazing that we'd be University of Florida with statues of three quarterbacks out front would not be able to pass the football well, and they've had one. Or see, two see, I don't sp-
1: know that though. Let, let's stop for a second, buddy. So I don't know if that, that necessarily is true. I think they've had talent. You look at the, the ratings of the players that have come out at the quarterback position. You look at the ratings of the guys that have come out at the receiver position. These are guys that are highly recruited by multiple other big time schools. They're you know they're, they're they're thought of as being productive high school players, so to me, that's where it comes in, is is one, identifying are these guys the right fit for what we want to do schematically, and two, let's develop, development starts in the weight room, development starts on the, you know, creating... Uh, not only the the strength but the speed aspect of it Uh, explosiveness the ability to 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 separate and use your body Um, and then just knowing the game you know being able to to read coverages and see that was one thing we did in coach Berger's offense so well uh, we all had to be on the same page what we're seeing would either determine whether we're going to run a curl or a corner route in some circumstances and you got to be on the same page with the quarterback so I just I think there's a lot you know, when we say that there hasn't been much talent there, I think there's been raw talent but certainly hasn't been developed talent the yeah. way that we would have liked to have now, seen Let it.
0: me rephrase that because that's not what I meant. <clears throat> I didn't mean to say they've had some decent talent, okay? I mean Tyree Cleveland mm-hmm. looks good, really, right now. You know, and I love a couple other of those guys on that, uh, that roster as well. <clears throat> um, but th- you're right. The second thing is you have to identify talent. Let's just say the five stars haven't been beaten the door down, but that's okay. You know, look, you were a walk-on, you are an All-American. I know about that. <clears throat> but I I'm just the process goes like this <clears throat> you have the system you recruit to your system right you bring the board you get them you're not going to get all fives so you got to be able to develop those quarter those those receivers which is what you're talking about now now that's a multitude of things that is the weight room that is attitude that is academics that is all the things going to that but you got to go out there and you got to get the mechanics down now look you were taught really good mechanics, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. But one, you know, and one of the things that really impressed me about Billy Gonzalez, that we're going to talk about before you hang up, is that Billy Gonzalez, when he visited Jacob Copeland in his home, according to Copeland, Copeland said he looked at Billy, looked at his footwork on film and said, that's where you got to work on. He was able to identify right then and there a flaw that needed to be fixed, and that apparently impressed Copeland. I think the reason he came to Florida was Billy Gonzalez. So that's what we're talking about. You had your little things that you were taught. You talk about – people don't realize Spurrier was, a, was a big on mechanics. His quarterbacks yeah. were taught a certain way. They threw the ball and practice, threw it, threw it, threw it, threw it. Curran Bell told me one time that, and he coached high school ball. You remember Curran? He said he was taught by Coach Spurrier: receivers must have their landmarks, landmarks, mm-hmm. landmarks. So those are the little nuances I want to talk to you about because you well, learned them well. You were, you, yeah. That's how you beat the guys. Couple, your,
1: couple things that you, yeah. you know, this too, buddy. You were around practice. We spent more time running routes on air than we did against corners and one on one than we did in seven on seven and then we did in team because the timing and the development of um, the whole passing game was predicated on receivers getting their depth. You know, quarterbacks taking the precise steps, throwing the football to the right area. We knew exactly against every coverage where we were supposed to be catching the ball, and if we weren't running the the, the depth, the timing wasn't right. You know, and one of the other great things about what I experienced was Dwayne Dixon. This was a guy that was fresh off of playing in the Arena Football League, was still in great shape, was able to show us on the field exactly what we were talking about, whether we were talking about releases against bump coverage, whether we were talking about getting out of, in and out of breaks. He was able to show us that stuff on the field. So this wasn't some theoretical idea that was being taught in a classroom. We were practically uh, being shown in, in, on the football field exactly what was expected of us, and we repped it over and over again until it was second nature.
0: I'm glad you brought up Dwayne Dixon's name. He, he's probably maybe the most underrated coach that Florida's ever had as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Because in addition to developing you, he had Ike, Redell, Jack all those All-Americans at that yeah. time. I mean, there had never been more good receivers at Florida at one time than when Dwayne was a wide receivers coach. And he yeah. deserves a lot of that credit. You're absolutely right. So thank mm-hmm. you for bringing his name up. Yeah. So when you see this, you're watching the game. And you're seeing these sloppy routes. This is my words, not yours, being run. They're disrespecting the revive receivers. They're manning up on both sides. And the quarterback can't get the ball to them because, let's be honest, that's been part of the problems, the accuracy of the quarterbacks. That might be fixed now. We know Dan Mullen's not going to put up with that. He's got Jones in there now, Emory Jones. And, of course, Felipe Franks, he just needs to be coached. He might be a guy. If not, there's plenty of other people, Alan Trask, etc. They'll find a combination. So when you see that, don't you just die to get out there on the field and coach them up and say, I need to go out there and teach these boards a thing or two?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, let's let's n- not necessarily say that uh, accuracy is inherent to this offense because I think Nick Fitzgerald, you look at one of the detractors of, of his play the last couple of years, his accuracy has not been at the the level that you would want it to. In fact, that was one of the point of emphasis heading into the season, and some of it had to do with the lack of of uh, experienced talent they had at the receiver position in Starkville last season. But you know, to your point, I think he will coach those guys in terms of mechanics and, and get them to where they need to be. Now, in terms of your question about me wanting to be out there coaching them, there's no question. I would love to have that opportunity. In fact, you know, sometimes I I wonder if I you know missed what I was supposed to be doing because what made me successful at the the college level what made me able to be able to play in the NFL for over a 10-year period of time was doing the little things correctly and uh, I think there's guys that have great talent as you know the the line between guys that are all pro players in the NFL and guys that get cut in the in the first cut is so thin and it comes down to not just talent because everybody has talent but the ability to do the little things and I think that what I learned at Florida really helped me to be successful at the NFL level. There's a lot of guys that I saw that were great college players that would come in, and I'd see them plan and I'd be like, wow, how did this guy ever have success doing what he did in the SEC? And a lot of it was because of pure athletic ability, but that, that talent gap narrows considerably as you get into the NFL, and so I think I was able to, to do those things because of how well I was taught, and I'd I love to have the opportunity to pass those things along. The problem is, is that you know, over a 10-year period in the NFL, I got cut uh, 10 different times. I moved around 22 different times uh, from the time I left Florida to the time I retired. It's an unsettled life, and coaching is kind of that same way. And so it's just not conducive to having, you know, a, a real stable family life. And, and so I've, I've chosen to stay connected through the media. But uh, don't think that it doesn't bother me every day mm-hmm. that I'm not out there running around like Coach Dixon trying to show these guys the things that I learned over the years.
0: Do you go to camps at all and help out?
1: You know, I do some stuff from time to time. Uh, you know, whether it be at some camps or over at at uh, at PK. But um, you know, certainly not 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 what I'd mm-hmm. I'd like to be doing.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, I understand. I feel your pain. I moved around. My wife counted twenty two times already. Uh, too, but hers were uh, different apartments in different towns. So, but yeah. We, when you chase your dream, there's a price that comes with it, right? That's
1: right. That's right.
0: Uh, let's talk about it. I don't know what you know about Justin Justin, Justin Watkins, but boy, he he comes with a lot of a lot of promise. A guy that could actually play on both sides of the ball. He's a guy that's going to make a difference. And this, this whole class uh, of his career, this is the best class. And Billy Gonzalez is very excited about that, about having some of these kids, these transfers they think are going to be eligible to play right away. This is a good-looking class compared to what's been in Florida.
1: The Jefferson and Grimes are the two; they, those are the two biggest recruits they possibly could have had, and yeah, those like are almost, right? That's exactly right. They're not factored into the, the recruiting rankings of the class, mm-hmm. but they're going to be the most important. They have experience at the uh, big time college football level. Um, you know, they come in already more physically developed. I, I'm excited about the acquisition of those two players, uh, but for long term production, you know, I, I think they really hit the they hit the home run with uh, who they were able to sign with that group of. Receivers. Which I know was a point of emphasis for, for Coach Mullen and the staff when they came in. I talked to them before that December signing period as uh, something they hoped to accomplish in, in December and again in February, and they certainly were able to do that.
0: All right, tell me about Jacob Copeland, what you see and what you know about him being one of the kind of the centerpiece there among the recruits. They really wanted him bad, and Billy had Gonzalez had to sweat that one out.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't, I you know me, man, I, I'm a guy that's probably still after, you know, 25 years, a little jaded about not being recruited myself, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I don't put a ton of emphasis, although I, I do, you know, look at the statistics, I think, what well, they say, since like 1996, um, what, everybody that's won a national title has been in the top ten uh, in recruiting for two of the four years leading up to uh, them winning the national title, so we know that, we know that's an important factor when it Comes to to winning in this landscape of college football these days, but I, I really don't pay a ton of attention to it. Probably more so, I'm interested in, in guys and what they're doing at the production at the uh, at the college level. Uh, but he, obviously, he was very her- heralded and, and uh, hotly contested for. And uh, you know, if there's anything that, that Gator fans love in the off season, it is uh, celebrating victories over over schools like Alabama and Tennessee. And mm-hmm. so uh, Florida did get a chance to to do that with the, the Copeland signing.
0: I know you got to get out of there and go, but I want to get this. This one guy excites me. And I want to know if I'm if you're with me on this. We've talked about him a little bit. I think if he develops, and he will. Kadarius Tony has a great future as a receiver. He yeah. he's a wildcat guy, a guy who's got yeah. the moves, the speed. I worry about his, He's a little bit all the way, ways. Hundred ninety four pounds. He's a little frail for me to take big hits, but this guy could be exciting. If you talk about some of the guys you're putting in there in the slot, and you're getting the speed on the outside, but there's those, I mean, they got a potential to put four, four home run hitters on the field at one time.
1: Yeah, there, there is a. You talk to any great offensive coach or head coach. There are guys that they have that they, before a game, they say, we've got to get this guy 15 touches, we've got to get him 20 touches. We're going to find a way to get the football in his hand. And that's what they did last year with Kadarius Tony And I think, you know, looking at what Dan Mullen can do from a creative standpoint offensively and drawing up plays, I'm interested to see how they utilize him. Obviously, we've seen what he can do in the zone read game. He electrified the spring game last year when he got a chance to get in there. Uh, does a nice job of, of catching the ball on some of the wide receiver screens. <clears throat> He's going to have to learn how to play the position, though. As we've talked about, that's been the theme of our discussion today. No better guy to teach there is Tony and the rest of those guys how to play the position than Billy Gonzalez. So I'm excited about what they can do with him. But he's an explosive player that uh, can make guys miss when he's got the football in his hand. And that is something that you cannot teach. And uh, it's just inherent. And uh, he certainly has it.
0: Chris Doran kind of takes some time this afternoon for our podcast presented by Daniel L. Hightower lawyer fighting for action victim justice since 1976. This one, I'll let you go. College football, and you'll be talking about this, I'm sure, at some point on the SEC network, uh, apparently has taken a dip this year, the biggest one since the early 80s. Uh, the FPS teams dropped 3% in 2017, uh, and now they've dropped again, the second biggest one they've had, and they're, they're trying to figure out why. And this column I read by Dennis Dobb, why this is happening. That there have been the attendance the, the has declined the last four straight years so in your opinion there it's not just lack of interest because like i think there's never been more interest in college football than there is now in my opinion but what do you see is going on
1: well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, let me note that you know, I haven't been to a Gator game in the last mm. 3 seasons oh, yeah. because I've been up in Charlotte in the studio and, and uh, that's different, yeah. I'm working, but when I tune into the games when we have them on in there and I see empty patches of, of mm. big open seats, it, it's embarrassing to me. I mean, that's one thing we've always taken pride at is filling the swamp not only with with people that want to come to the game that are passionate, that are loud, that that support the football team. And uh this is not an issue that's uh just this uh a Florida problem it is across the conference it's across the country and uh, to your point I mean I, I think one um, this is a victim of of every game being on TV and it's high definition and it's you know the ability to have uh, cocktails or beers from the comfort of your own home. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Florida, I think, went back and changed their policy on alcohol. Was, was uh, you know, in the luxury suites, in the north end zone, in the in the, uh, in, in, the ch- in the touchdown terrace, uh, Champions Club. They, they have now heard that people want to have a beer during the game, and, and wow, so there's, that's. There's uh, a <laughs> yeah, that, there's uh, there's one thing that they've done to try to keep fans uh, in the stadium, not watching from home. Uh, but I, I really believe there is a disconnect now, or a, a difference. And, and I, I'm going to sound like the old guy here, but uh, this day and age, we'll, I watch it with my own kids. I mean, they are consumed with what's going on on their phones. I don't think they necessarily have the, the same interest in um, in outside things. There's constant stimulus uh, delivered to them on their phone nonstop. And so uh, I think it's only going to continue to get worse. And the problem is right now the fans of tomorrow are the ones that are in school right now that aren't coming out and, and buying the, the student tickets. And so it's just a, a problem that's going to continue uh, to to manifest itself. Um, but, I, I, again, what's been so great to the conference in the country With these tv contracts is also what's what's hurting them too and that's the ability to to watch it in high definition from the comfort of your own home and and uh really not miss a whole bunch uh in the interim
0: no doubt about it and by the way uh there are people out there who love their gators and you may be aware of our group called the Gator Nation Kingdom, who has the Dilly Dilly Cry, and we do a show every every week called Late Night Dilly Dilly, where we, we have the, the people on, and they give us their thoughts, we have guests, etc. And they are putting together a group of people who just want to be, want to know, love their Gators. They want to be, they, the, the slogan is, be stay loyal to the kingdom. Gator Nation Kingdom, and they're putting on a really great tailgate party, which is only open to their group, two blocks from from uh, the stadium, and they're going to celebrate Gator football. It's been a while since Gator Football's been celebrated, Chris. You know that. It's been yeah. a downtime. It's time to get the pom-poms up and have fun and celebrate the game we love and the school that we love and people to cherish a little bit. So having said that, I'm going to invite you personally, if you're in town, to come by and say hi to the Gator Nation Kingdom, to the group of people there who are doing this because of their love for the university and for football. And that it's a personal invitation uh, right about three or four hours for kickoff of the Orange and Blue Game. So you think about that. We'll talk about it. I'd love to have you come say hello.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be working the game or not, but if uh, if I'm not, I'd love to come by. And, you know, I think the thing that we all need to remember is, and you know this, I had an opportunity to kind of follow uh, Georgia a little bit here in the postseason. Um, When you win, that kind of uh, cures some of the uh, the, 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 the lack of interest or or the desire not to come out. And so I think – just as uh, fans have a responsibility to support the team, the team has a responsibility to uh, to deliver a good product, and I think that's uh, that's in the works as well.
0: Great talking to you, Chris. Really appreciate your time. Good stuff. We'll talk again down the road someplace, and uh, maybe I'll see you in Gainesville. All right?
1: That sounds good, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. All right.
0: Thank you, Chris Doring.